Well, things seem to be going pretty well in Edmonton. Lots of reasons for why the owners are playing the way they are in terms of winning and losing. What do you think is the number one reason for the losses now? Is there, is there one thing that you, in your own mind you're saying, we got to get better at that? Yeah, we, ha- we have to get better at everything. Would you like to expand on that? No. Nope. You can do that. You know everything. Why are you so pissy, Leon? Hmm? Why are you so pissy? I'm not. I'm just I, answering your question. Yeah, you are. Whenever I ask you a question. I gave you an answer. Not very good one. Okay. I have one more for you. Leon, you show your frustration on the ice last game against Ottawa. Is that a good thing when you show it so the other team knows you're frustrated? Yeah, it's a great thing, for sure. Good. All right, so what you heard there was Leon Dreisaitl and Jim Matheson having a little bit of a spar session. Uh, Jim Matheson, of course, is a very well-known. People call him it, a Hall wait, of he's Fame. Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer. Yeah. He is actually a Hall yeah, of Famer. Like he's in the Hall of Fame. The Hall of the Writers Hall of Fame or something okay. like that. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So it was. I mean, it's good stuff. It's good theater, if nothing else. Is it? I think so. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I, I got I mean, a good I, chuckle out of it. I did, but I really don't like the reporter's like entitlement there. Like, okay. it feels a little pompous. Why are you so pissy with me? <laughs> Why are you pissing me? I have a microphone. I'm I've got power here. Mm-hmm. I, Actually, he probably didn't have a microphone. If we're being honest, if he's just like in the press scrum, but he well, did. Maybe you he can does. hear. He it might be holding well. one. Yeah. yeah. I you know I couldn't help thinking because like Andy, you and I are in the press scrums now. I'm like. When are we going to ask a question that gets this kind of a response from one of the players? And then when can we go viral as the the, the idiots busiest, that the are staying in the room? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got we got to come up with some like real <laughs> questions that we can just have in our back pocket. Well, in a way, mm-hmm. you have been viral with asking Haxtell about the kick-in goal. That's in Vegas. true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, one. not really not really viral, but it, it was you know featured on a documentary. So um, that's true. I did do that. Yeah. Yep. And I thought, that's on me. I did yeah. that. <laughs> I thought Matheson's first question was okay. Not great, but okay. like what what do you have to be better at? I mean, come on. It was it wasn't a totally over the line question. Yeah, no, like, yeah no, exactly. Dry saddle's been asked more difficult questions. It than wasn't that. great. It wasn't yeah, over the line or anything. But then the fact that he just kept pushing him, I thought, come on, dude, he gave you an answer, accept it. It's so not the answer you wanted, but that's just how it goes sometimes. Maybe today is not the day for him to give you the perfect <laughs> yeah, answer yeah. to write your story and for I, you. Well, and then he doubles down at the end. He's like, oh, I do have one last yeah, question. Like, why you are know? you so yeah. frustrated? Yeah. Is it good yeah. for you to be frustrated? Like, yeah. is what it, is he after there? Like, what showing does he want to, to the say? other team you're frustrated? Is that a good... Yeah, like, clearly bad... pointed at him. But... Hasn't somebody thought of the children here? What should the children think? Yeah, I, I have a feeling I don't know this, um, but it's one of those things that I don't know is true, but I believe is true that these two have a history together. That's not the Seems first like time it. that Matheson yeah. has rubbed yeah. uh, dries out all the wrong way. Um, you know, both those guys, you see a lot of clips out there of McDavid not enjoying press questions either. Um, yeah, well, he was kind of on the quote unquote hot seat this week, too, because they asked him, like, well, what would happen in that game? He's like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, just yeah, so, yeah. so defeated. Um, yeah, it's been a it's been a weird week here. A weird, well, month for the Oilers. They've yeah. really we fallen haven't talked about them too much. It seems like they're getting plenty of coverage in north of the border. But <laughs> yeah. uh, that's probably why we haven't talked about them that much. But well, but, and ironically, it like it kind of stems from that. Well, I don't know. I, I don't want to say it stems from it, but really like the start of their downfall was when they lost to Seattle. Like that was, that was the beginning of their tailspin and they've kind of been in this miserable, miserable rut ever since then. I believe they lost like six or seven after that in a row after being red hot at the start Mm -hmm. of the season. So, so things aren't great, you know? I think there's a different relationship with the media in a place like Edmonton than 
a lot of other places that it's just it's not necessarily well i, I take that back because sometimes they're very pro oilers whatever they do they defend it but then they just cover everything to death like and yeah. I, I sense that's what that was a little bit of like we're tired of answering these same questions over and over but well i mean and, and to be it seems like you know seattle was going through a rough spell for a while yeah and there started to be some articles like hot take articles that were like what's wrong with this team this team's a mess you know, questioning the expansion draft, questioning the coach, like all this crap. And honestly, that's what gets clicks. Yeah. And and I think there's no different in Edmonton. That's what people well, want to read right it now. Well, except it is a little different because there's just a sea of people writing yeah. those stories, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, In Seattle, I mean, you look at how many people are in press scrums, it's it's very small number of people. One right? hand, right? <laughs> I mean, maybe not one hand, but it's a, it's a small group that shows up, or, you know, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think... I think you're kind of onto something there, but I also think, you know, they're kind of battling in a market like that where there's so much coverage that they have to take it like a step farther so that they can get the clicks over the next guy um, when they might have the same hot take, but somebody needs to be like a little bit more extreme. But, but if it. it is a public forum, right? Like they are, everybody has access to those responses. So yes. now this was a pretty long intro of the sound of hockey. It really it? was. You know, uh, the one thing we wanted to mention here is that Brendan Perlini, uh, he also did press uh, availability like probably around <laughs> the same time and go watch his at some point because it's pretty funny he's like he literally says the phrase it's not always going to be rainbows and he like screws it up he's like it's not always going to be rainbows and clouds or whatever unicorns or you know something. Yeah, yeah it's like and and it's just it's a funny thing because he's so positive in it and like it's such a just the opposite of the, the facial expression is so different too you right? know that they were in the midst of, of a rough yeah. patch yeah he's like you know i've been through some tough times it's just, <laughs> just gonna, i think it's good that win. we're going through this like at some it point. makes us like really appreciate it when we're out of it. <laughs> yeah. I love that phrase. Though. I had a coach once tell to me after an ugly win, he said, well, they can't all be Picassos. And That's I just true. I just started laughing at that. That was after a win. But realistically, <laughs> think about how Picasso painted too. Like that's some pretty f- up stuff. So if you think that like Picasso is the perfect way to draw up a hockey game, that's probably not right either. So just that's a very good point, Darren. Sound of Hockey episode 171. We're calling this one the Jasper Weatherby episode. Oh, why are we calling it that, John? Well, he's a hockey player. Uh-huh. Uh, plays in San Jose, yep. and he's going to be a guest on this podcast. There's, Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> what a coincidence. Well, yeah. There's, I mean, my next line in the show notes here is now ruined, but oh, that's okay. Oh, screwed uh, that up. That's all right. So, so this is the Sound of Hockey. I'm Darren Brown, at Darren Fun Brown on the Twitter, joined as always by Andy Eide. Hello, Andy. How's it going? I'm at Andy Eide on the Twitter. And John Barr. Hello, John. Hello, everybody. I'm NHL to Seattle on the Twitter. And we are coming to you from Seattle, Bar Down Studios to be exact, our second week in a row. Um, I thought we sounded like we really were like in the same room last week which was pretty cool probably because we were in the same room yeah that um, might be why yeah it just it felt good it felt like we were flowing we were clicking so it was like you know let's let's try to do this again let's try to do it more I've cleaned up i've cleaned up since then I've, uh-huh. you know like it looks nice Pick yeah. it, too bad our interview with Jasper Weatherby was not, we were not all in the same room. No, That's we right. Yeah. And he was in San Jose. So, <laughs> yeah. Kind of, well, just pretend. You can yeah. all pretend. Yeah. Uh, see, is, see if you can tell the difference. Yeah. It is a very good interview, by the way. I think you're all guy. really going to enjoy it. Uh, he has a lot of local ties. He has been doing some incredible stuff in his life. Uh, he's only 23 years old, but um, he's been kind of leading the way and like on his college campus with some social justice stuff. And uh, we talk about all that. So, uh, really interesting interview. And, you know, he's uh, going to be an opponent of the crack 
tracking here on Thursday. So hopefully this is posted before then and you can <laughs> Or you listen this. to it before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Listen to it beforehand. Uh, but yeah, good stuff. So stick around for that. Uh, one last thing. Make sure to leave your five-star review. We haven't had any five-star reviews now for a couple of weeks. And if you've listened to this show for a while, you know that we love to be able to uh, engage with our listeners using those five-star reviews. So a uh, great opportunity to get to us if you want something out there. Uh, a hot take on something happening, something that we do, what makes you know us so great, so terrible, whichever you prefer. Just put it as on a five-star five review, star. yeah. as long as it's five stars, <laughs> and we'll read it on the next show. And finally, make sure to uh, follow us on Twitter, at sound underscore hockey. We've had a lot of great stuff happening there. Uh, we do live tweets of the games. We do uh, some videos of things happening in the arena, all kinds of stuff. So uh, your, your, walkout, out. your walkout talk after games is pretty cool. That's it's getting right. pretty popular, <laughs> yeah. I'd say. People seem to like that, the little walk and talk video where I just kind of literally walk with my phone and talk into one it one time i'm i'm expecting you to crash and burn like just like know, fall down yeah, yeah you're well, like I'll, <laughs> I'll have it on ca- i know and i'm not like i'm trying to look at the camera a little bit and i'm not really yeah. walk, watching where i'm walking so yeah, yeah one of these times i might i'm, uh, I'm might secretly hit. hoping that happens <laughs> oh i'm not hoping there's nothing happens. secret there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. john just openly you said secretly john yes. just said i hope that you fall yeah. sometimes yeah. So. I, I enjoy when people I, fall. I did not say i hope Oh, I'm okay. not hoping you fall. All right. I'm anticipating it. All right. That's, <laughs> that is our uh, housekeeping items. Those are our housekeeping items for the week. A couple of games have passed since the last time we recorded. Uh, the first one was against Los Angeles. It was, I don't want to call it a stinker. I thought the boys played pretty well that night, but it was super tight checking, which is kind of what the Kings are known for. Uh, they play sort of a 1-3-1, which, which if you don't know what that is, it's just a, a style of clogging up the neutral zone. You literally put one forward, then three players across, and then one defenseman. So it's kind of like a, a diamond, and it, it's a way to just trap you when you're coming boring. through the neutral zone. A little bit of a boring way to play. Yep, it was, uh, you know, back in the day, that was whatever. Everybody did. Um, it's things have opened up a little bit more in the NHL, but everybody kind of does a one-three-one. One. The Kings, night. the Kings still do it with a, a very structured way. So anyway, uh, it made things pretty like tight checking, tough sledding is I think the phrase that broadcasters like to use. Uh, and it just was like it. It just was one of those games. There wasn't much happening at either end. Uh, I thought Chris Drieger played pretty well that night. He did give up kind of a stinker of a goal on the first one. It was like in the first five minutes. Uh, it hit him. A puck just hit him in the chest, and he tried to gather it, and it just didn't happen. It kind of bounced off of him and landed right on the stick of Adrian Kempe, who's right in front of the net. So, yeah. yeah, right in front yeah. of the net, wide open net. Not a great place to uh, direct your rebound, but clearly it. You know, he thought he was gathering it in, and it just popped out. So that was a career high in goals for Adrian Kempe as well. He's been playing very well. Yes, he did it in yeah. half a season that his previous record was. Yeah. So anyway, they lost the game uh, three to one was the final, and the the shots on goal were only twenty one to eighteen. The Kraken only had eighteen shots. So you know, that's one of those nights where it's like, all right, you guys played well defensively. Uh, you didn't give up much in terms of rushes or really great scoring opportunities, anything like that. Your goalie played pretty well, I would say well enough to win, but you got to generate something offensively to win a game and 18 shots isn't going to get it done at pretty much any level, uh, but especially the NHL. You know, we a couple of podcast episodes ago, we talked about how we were impressed with how hard the team plays, even though they weren't getting positive results. Uh, and I thought that night they did that again. Yeah. I just couldn't get past the tougher L.A. defense. But after the game, their uh, their coach, Todd McClellan, who used to coach the Sharks and the Oilers, he said the same thing. He talked about the game was a battle. He, he was impressed with how hard Seattle played and how hard they checked. And it was kind of surprising. He, the first question he answered was almost all about the Kraken and how, how hard they made the game, what kind of a battle it was. And uh, Philip Deneau from the Kings, who scored scored two goals. He scored two goals. He scored two, yeah. He scored two. He had an empty, 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 empty
he said the same thing. He said this was a really tough game. It was really they were they played really hard and they played the right way. I thought that was kind of cool just to kind of hear what the opponents had to say about how hard the crack and play because we've been saying that we've been saying that yeah and, and, and the coach has been saying that yeah but, but to me it carried a little more like, weight okay, coming we from need, a team yeah, exactly <laughs> by a professional athlete that yeah. plays against them to play yeah. a game, game plan against them so yeah. i i honestly how i and and you know i obviously wasn't watching with you guys i i thought it was a, it was a playing a, a team just like themselves right where both bit, teams yeah. were playing really hard and just not giving up much um yeah there was yeah it was it was a kind of a sleepy game uh, not not the most exciting game, um, but you know the first period they actually came out pretty flat, didn't have a lot of opportunity, <laughs> but turned it around and kind of like were battling, trying to get back in it. So yeah. Uh, anyway, that I mean that was their ninth loss in a row, so we kind of were thinking things weren't going to go great against Chicago either because Mark Andre Fleury had just been named the second star <laughs> of the week. Uh, they won four in a row they coming won, in. They beat four, Seattle yep, before right. too. Yep, yep that's uh-huh. right. And uh, I mean they they Chicago came in riding high. Seattle, again, they'd been playing well. Honestly, they'd been playing well enough to win, but they weren't generating any kind of offense for a couple of games. I mean, combined between St. Louis and uh, Los Angeles, they scored two goals, right? Like, that's not going to get you very far. Uh, So anyway, they come out against Chicago. They look a lot better. I mean, I thought just at both ends of the ice... First, I mean, it was, again, that that period ended 0-0, and Grubauer looked good. Flurry looked pretty good, but he wasn't, like, doing much to, like, really blow your mind or anything like that. And then as the game went on, the Kraken completely took over. Like, they dominated in pretty much every offensive Mm -hmm. category, except the one that matters, which is the number (laughs) of goals that they score. And that was because Marc-Andre Fleury continued his unbelievable play. And I'm talking, like, I've watched a lot of hockey over the years, and in terms of games in person, that was one of the better games I've ever seen a goalie play live in person. He that was unbelievable. Third period save of McCann, the glove save, where it looked like a goal. McCann it was, had, it was wide open. He was on the other side of the ice. Fleury had to get over to get it, and somehow, I don't know how he got a glove on it. I, I had to like look at the replay four times because I just didn't understand how and, he made that save. And that was one of like five saves that you were like, oh my God, how did he stop <laughs> that, right? And, yep. and so the game goes to overtime, and it just it keeps going. Like The Kraken had the puck almost the entire five-minute period, and they didn't take a ton of shots because like, like the the whole nature of overtime has shifted a little bit to be this you know, it's, it's so conservative and so mm-hmm. possession, possession yeah. focused yeah. Yeah. right uh, and and Haxtell talked about it after the game too is like well it may take the excitement out of overtime a little bit but the key to winning in overtime is patience. I, I use the word patience a lot, and it's waiting for exactly the right opportunity and not giving up the puck, uh, which I thought was interesting, you know, and, and he's right. It does take some of the interest out of it, but it's still, like, thrilling because they're in the offensive zone the entire time. They're passing the puck around. You know that a shot is coming at some point. Mm-hmm. And, man, they, I mean, they, the guys looked awesome. They really did. They dominated, yeah. like I said, and every Weinberg facet. hit the crossbar with, like, 20 yeah. seconds yeah. left. And what's, <laughs> and what's crazy to me is, you know, when we went into overtime, three on three, I'm like, this is not this not is strong th- this is not <laughs> this is not where Seattle can really stand out because right. you know you have Debrinket, Kane, Taze, you know, plenty Kulik. of talent on that other mm-hmm. other side that like high end talent, like skilled talent, where we're just a little bit more of a sound team. So I was like, I, you know, I said the person next, this isn't really our strong suit here. Yeah, but to your point, Darren. They dominated they like the, puck and, the whole time, and and I I think it's the last time I remember three on three at Climate Pledge. I forget who they were playing. Philadelphia, I think, where you know time. they ran into each other or something, yep. and, <laughs> and it, it just yeah. it just seemed like they had <laughs> not. Terrible. They were so disorganized. They did not know what they were doing. Like most of the guys on the ice had never played three on three before because they're mm-hmm. usually probably on teams further where down the, the fourth line, line. right? Yeah. yeah, that and and that's the reality is there's probably probably only about 
eight, nine people that actually play in overtime on a team, right? And that's probably mm-hmm. a stretch. Yeah. Usually it's like six to eight, the most yeah, elite They just talent. roll lines. But I, I was totally anticipating like Kane or Dabrinkit just to do a dangle and dangle somebody and all of a sudden it's in the back of the net. So I was pleasantly surprised how good they looked. Well, and then, I mean, even in the shootout, right? They send Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane out. Decent. The Kraken send Jonas Donskoy, <laughs> who hasn't scored a goal the entire year, and Ryan Donato, right? And you're like, all right, if you put this on paper, this feels like it's probably going to shift. And they're going against Marc-Andre Fleury, who's had an unbelievable game. Uh, it's like, it feels like it's probably going to tip the scales in favor of the Blackhawks, but both the Kraken players score. Uh, Ryan Donato, in his career has been unbelievable in shootouts like yep. he's he's sort of like a shootout specialist that's been so, pretty good too yeah i know and but i mean how ironic is that though right that like you send yes. out a guy who literally has zero goals and yeah. actually that's the second time he's scored in a shootout this season, yeah in so, detroit yeah um which is which is nuts I, it confuses a lot of i've had a lot of new fans ask me like why didn't they put out you know gourd or something like that gourd's over oh i think in his career in the shootout uh, not his game it doesn't always transfer it's not a transferable skill like that shootout to well, just make, goal scoring like you know who one of the worst shootout players were like watching the vancouver Canucks? daniel sedin yeah could not score in the well, shootout. He had nobody to pass to <laughs> no he was the score henrick was the passer oh sorry well, he couldn't do it either, but, but it's just like here's a guy who scores all yeah. kinds of goals, like won the won the, the trophy of the one year, the Art Ross, and cannot score the penalty shot to to, to save his life. So there was also a, a first in that game. Mm-hmm. There were a couple first penalty shot, yeah, uh, awarded, and because you're th- they didn't send McCann out either, who's a great yeah. shot, but he's not much of a a, a power play or a penalty shot yeah. specialist. Mm-hmm. And you could kind of tell when he had the penalty shot in the Didn't game. Quite like, know what to do. Yeah, it was. Yeah, he just kind of conventional. He yeah, tried it was like to, a conventional <laughs> shot. Tried to score five. Hole. So, but anyway, that was cool. Um, yeah, first shootout victory by the Kraken. Yeah. Also, the first so. uh, third period comeback for a win. Oh wow, I didn't know that. They had that's... not come back to win when they've come back and tied, but they hadn't come back to win. Oh wow, they were trying cool. to third that's cool. Nice. So that's. I mean. The fact that it's taken this long and they've been behind so many games in the third yeah. period is a little <laughs> disappointing. But. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. And you know what? We're I think we're back to sounding really positive here. This is one game after losing nine. Yes. Um, There's still some issues. Yeah. And somebody sent me a screenshot of something that they found online uh, calling Sound of Hockey just shills for management. I don't even know what the context was. But I'm like, you know what? I mean, we've kind of always been shills for management when you think about it. So if you're just learning that... Um, you know, we're we're just going to continue to show because we are we're excited about this thing. We're still excited that it's here, uh, and we're going to kind of stay positive, even though well, and things think, are not always going. I think it's more that we're just level headed. We're not screaming to fire everybody maybe. after forty yeah, games. Yeah, it's maybe, weird. And like, maybe we should. Maybe we should scream for everybody to get fired, no. but it's just not really in my nature. Yeah. I've been a Minnesota Wild fan my it's whole life, and I've never either. screamed for yeah. anybody to get fired. So it's not realistic. Yeah, yeah. an expansion team first year. Yeah, yeah like, it's fired really, after yeah. half the season. Really, yeah, <laughs> makes so much sense. Super well. Okay. So if that's a um, shill, I, I don't know what it is. You <laughs> talked about Flurry. Not that, not that, I mean, I, I, I'm lucky that I get to talk to the other team's coaches after all the games and their mm-hmm. players. And uh, their coach, Derek King, was really funny. Somebody, one of the Chicago guys asked him about the game. And he says, uh, we're happy to get the point. We're going to get on the plane and get out of here before they change their mind. He said, luckily, Flower got us a point tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it really was. It was like, it was Flurry against the world. And yep. it was, that was It was interesting as... You know, early in the season, I'm like, okay, well, at least I got a point. Like, that's how I was thinking yeah. going into overtime. But the reality is, like, points don't mean anything now. No. No. One, no. one loser point yeah. does no good for the yeah. Kraken. Like, yeah. even if they win games, right? Yeah. Like, winner points don't give them much. <laughs> yeah. much. Either they're 18 points Just out. make us all feel a little bit yeah. better. Yeah. Uh, that's really what it is. Like, it's <laughs> well, just like, let's pick us up. Because really, 
Honestly, and we talked about this a little bit, and really the best thing that can happen from here on out at this point is they finish last in the league, right? Unless they're going to go on like a super run like the St. Louis Blues did, but they're in such a different spot. Like that's not going to happen, right? right? So like that ain't going to happen. Really finishing last in the league is probably best case scenario for them so that they can get the best draft pick that they can possibly get. But also, like you just said... I don't want them to win, to lose every, you know, like yeah, yeah. you want to see, I want, I want to see them win as many as possible. Yeah. yeah like honestly, let's have some yeah. fun. I mean, it, honestly, I, I was jumping up. I jump up and down when they win. Like, it was I incredible. jump up and down. Like I'm a little kid. It's How much pretty more funny. fun yeah. was that? Right. And then, you know, from a media perspective, like interviewing guys that are smiling, you know, like yeah. that's, that's great. We're not asking the same questions. Oh, what went wrong? What do you think is missing? What you like? Now it's why are you what so went pissy right. out there? You know? yeah, sorry, why, why are you so pissy? Yeah, why are you so pissy? Well, they've lost nine in a row. It makes sense that they're pissy. <laughs> I hope they don't just try to lose every game or, or, or do lose every game. I, I'd like to see them. I think you can build some momentum going into the next season if you have a strong second half. Yeah, obviously, the roster is going to look different. We've talked about that before. But I think there's something about that. Like, okay, we finished strong. That just puts everybody in a better mood going into the offseason, I think. Well, and I think it's not tangible you can't really you know well, calculate ideally that, like you see development mid-season yeah, right like yeah, some of the guys that saying. need to take a step forward or mm-hmm. start to improve and i mean not that cal yarncroc's in that mode but like he started cold mm-hmm. right i mean he had some injuries covid mm-hmm. but um and look at him now like he's he's he's, he's hot a, and you're like he's on the power like, play he's a key factor yeah like, yeah he's, he's getting, well. he's getting he's, a point every game now yeah so um, yeah, and I think, you know, we talked about, the, Darren wrote a great piece about the roster next year, and I think a lot of those decisions could be made here in these next 40 yeah. games or whatever there's it's left. It's like an year. eval period, too. For yeah, a lot somebody like, I don't know who, like, you know, if Donato's on the fence about him coming back and all of a sudden he just starts tearing it up, yeah. well, that's going to make their decision a little clearer what yeah. they want to do. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's what they're thing looking with McCann for, and Geeky yeah. and all those guys, yeah. So I think I think there's still a lot to play for here, even though the playoffs are yeah. dead and gone. Yeah. So that's what's happened, uh, in, at least on the ice, I should say, uh, these last couple of games since we last recorded off the ice. There's a new Kraken player that's about to make it, well, assuming he plays on Thursday, I think he probably will. Carson Kuhlman was claimed off waivers from the Boston Bruins. What do we know about him, Andy? Apparently he's got a lot of speed. Mm-hmm. He can be utilized on the penalty kill a lot. Mm-hmm. He's done that a lot that. in his past, yeah. so hasn't put up big numbers yet, but he also hasn't really had a, a, a real healthy chance to do that. So we'll see what happens here. Uh, you know, They sent Max McCormick down, so he's probably taken that spot. So it'll probably be that uh, Coolman true Shea and kind of rotation on the, on, the, on the bottom line. We'll see. Yep. We'll, we'll see. You never know. I mean, maybe he catches fire. Right. And uh, I mean, with Morgan Geeky out, they have guys that are getting opportunities yep. in, in elevated spots, too. So, well, <laughs> Geeky, Tanev and and Schwartz. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, and I've heard that too, that he's, he's got a lot of speed. I heard the same kind of uh, uh, scouting report on him and everything seems to be that, you know, people liked him as a player in yeah. Boston, which Boston's a tough market. So um, having people say on Twitter, like, oh, we're sad to see him go. We liked him. Uh, that's probably a good sign. The only reason that he ended up on waivers was just a depth depth thing, yeah, you know, numbers. just like we saw with Nathan Bastion earlier. Yep. Like, I don't think the Kraken wanted to lose Nathan Bastion, you know, but, but they, they had, had to, to. They yeah. had to put somebody on waivers because they had guys coming back from injuries. So. And we can confirm that Coolman is in town. Got That's picked right. up by Carson Susie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the Kraken <laughs> did a video today of him getting picked up at the airport and Carson Susie went along on the pickup because they actually played together at UMD in college. So, uh, that's kind of a cool connection. Uh, other news, uh, Chris Drieger is on the COVID list for assuming a few more days. So, funny thing about that is, you know, he played two good games in a row, earned a second start out of playing well in St. Louis. Uh, and then, of course, after his second start, in which he really played well enough to win, he shows up on the COVID list because Chris Drieger cannot really catch a break this year, right? It's, <laughs> yeah. it's been a really, rough year. I mean, He's it's been a really rough he'll year. He'll play it's well and go either year. injured or COVID. Yeah. Right next, next day, it's always 
And so just when you think like, all right, he's starting to get his feet under him. He's mm-hmm. healthy again. Boom. This happens. So, uh, so that's unfortunate. The funny thing though, is that they couldn't get Joey Decord here <laughs> because of weather. Cause he's, you know, he's on the East coast. They had this big storm that hit the East coast. So they brought up Antoine Bebo instead to back up Grubauer in that game against Chicago. And then today we're recording on Tuesday. They uh, recalled Decord. So, uh, I don't see Bebo on the roster anymore. So it looks like he's, I don't know if he's it been could sent be, back it to could the be, ECHL It could be what. taxi squad. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was. I, I liked his helmet. It was pretty <laughs> I didn't cool. notice yeah. that. I didn't even notice yeah, it. For cool. warm ups, I go down and and watch the the crack and warm up. So I got a pretty close uh, view of of his helmet. He yeah. had good numbers in Allen in the ECHL before they recalled him. Makes sense. I mean, he's been he's, he's been a higher level yeah, than that for most of the NHL yeah. before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know his name, which tells me he's been in the NHL before. Four uh, games. He's played four games in the there NHL. You go. But uh, yeah, he and he had a nice setup too. Brian's good, good looking, uh, clean setup. Oh, which, yeah, yeah, I love those Brian. Brian's, yeah. man. It's good luck. Uh, the other news, and this really shook the Kraken Twitter sphere. Uh, they it exploded. Revealed, yep, they revealed their team puppy, oh Davy Jones. John, what was your reaction when you saw the team puppy love at it. that game? Love mm-hmm. it, love it, love it. And if we go back a couple years uh-huh. back. Our uh, real ones will know. Real listeners yeah, yeah. will know. The OG listeners will know. There's a certain member in this podcast uh-huh. that wasn't really fond of the old intro <laughs> of the puppies. I think he thought it was... Does uh, that person oh, want to reveal themselves? I think that person thought that the puppy was a gimmick to mask poor play on the ice. That's yeah. true. Well, now it sounds like you're the one, Andy, but... Um, no, I'm not the one. I, like, yeah. I enjoy dogs. The, so the theory that I... that I, Oh, I also like dogs. I don't want to get that... So it was Darren, it if was there's me. any it surprise was me. here. Yeah. And it's so funny because back when we were having this conversation, like the idea of Seattle having a team was still just like this pie in the sky dream right we, we knew it was coming but we didn't have a team away. name we didn't uh, we had just a couple of the employees. thought of seattle getting a puppy was, was like so bigger. foreign <laughs> right. to us yeah. the thought of us sitting in this basement talking about the kraken getting a puppy exactly it was so far off right and so but my theory was that every time that a team said hey look we got a puppy it seems to be happening with like really bad teams that were in last place or close to last place. The Blues did it that year that they yeah, won the Stanley Cup. Yeah, and yeah. it was around this time of year. And then all of a sudden they went on this incredible run and won the Stanley Cup, right? So, uh, and so then there is the theory that, well, maybe it was because they got that team puppy. But, um, but anyway, it was very, very funny that. It, like the first thing that jumped into my head the other night and don't get me wrong the puppy's incredibly cute i was pumped about the puppy mm-hmm. but i was like oh well they are at a nine game losing streak here so. <laughs> people were excited about the puppy i i know i know exactly where you're going i think that. they might have yeah. been down two to one when the puppy was revealed too. that's right yeah they're on their way to <laughs> loss number 10 and all of a sudden davy jones the puppy comes out and there they go so they had an awesome video about it with yeah. them too. I like the, the way they intro yeah. it yeah. with all the player that player that question of the day they do in the in the in the practice facility when they're going to go in the dressing room. I like mm-hmm. that way they did that. I really liked uh, Grubauer like yeah. lying on the floor in his pads trying to like get yeah. her eyes out yeah, of the yeah. puppy yeah. and <laughs> Hackstall is like, oh, good boy. <laughs> <laughs> the most emotion we've ever yes. seen from Hackstall. Uh, but yeah, it was a it was a good good reveal and very cute puppy and uh, I do love him. Don't get me wrong. Uh, and then they Jonas Donskoy was asked about it after yeah, the, the laughing. game. He kind of laughed. Well, first of all, he didn't understand the question. Yeah, he like, what? Hear, yeah. He's like, oh, you mean the dog? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, of course we need a puppy. Everybody needs a puppy and he's super cute. So 
pretty funny. <laughs> Good stuff. I, and the intro where they showed the players answering the question of the week, my two for two guys that stood out to me. One was Grubauer saying, "Yes, we need a puppy." German Shepherd. Yeah, that's thought that was funny. And then yeah. Giordano walking by saying, "We need a team cat." Right. Because if you recall those those, those get to know Geo things he did, he was a cat fan. That's yeah. right. Yeah, He's yeah, a cat yeah. guy. Yeah. And then the other piece of, I guess. Well, it's not really. Is it news? It's not really news. But they redid the pregame show, or at least they added all the bells and whistles yep. to it. Uh, and I want to talk about our experience with this a little bit, Andy. Uh, so they they launched this before the LA Kings game, and I will say it's awesome. Like if you ha- somehow haven't seen the video of it yet, the video yeah, is kind of everywhere, so you've probably seen it, or maybe you've been to the game and saw it in person. Uh, it is really cool what they've done. They started using that tentacle that was hanging in the in the rafters it comes down it's got neon lights on it's awesome it's a very very cool uh pregame show and arguably one of the best in the league and so anyway they sent an email the night before that game and said hey you know you folks that are going to be coming to morning skate if you want to get here a little early we're going to be revealing some new things so everyone like assumed it was mascots and we we were kind of asked not to share this right it was like keep it Keep yeah, it out of the rug. Nothing public. Couldn't take pictures or video right. or say anything public about it. So, but we did get to go and watch it, yep. like the dry run at ten o'clock before the ten thirty skate. Uh, all the Kraken players came out to the bench and watched it, which I thought was awesome. And they all like applauded when it was done. Uh, so it was like that was it was just a really cool moment to be a part yeah, of that. I, I can have like, insight why they were out there on the bench because Johnny oh. Greco was up where I was. I uh-huh. was up in the press box. He was up there talking, and uh, he wanted them to see it for one thing and yeah. get inspired by it. But he also wanted them to know where they could skate and not hit anything. Ah, <laughs> clever. Because the plan was it come it's still on the ice when they come out so yep. for, for uh, the start of the game so that's right he's like i don't want that i want them to know where they can go and not get run into anything that's nah, good stuff uh but yeah it's it's very cool congratulations to johnny greco and lamont buford who friends the pod and they were uh, obviously the main players and putting this thing together and it, it came out awesome so very my, cool stuff my favorite thing about the, the the dry run we saw is when it was over it was spectacular right and actually gave me chills at one point but it ends and there's no fans there right so the arena is just dead quiet. All you hear is the winch pulling the thing back up. It's yeah. like, it's, it's actually pretty loud hoisting <laughs> those things back up. And I, I thought, okay, that was kind of that ending was kind of anticlimactic because <laughs> there's nobody here. I'm sure it'll sound better when there's a, a, an arena full of people, and it, it did, but it was just so kind of funny. Yeah, uh, but man, again, good stuff. Check it out if you haven't seen it before. Uh, cool to be a part of it, and very happy that we were. All right, let's move on to some general hockey news. Uh, before we get to our Jasper Weatherby interview, which, again, is going to be great. You're going to love it. <laughs> Trust <laughs> uh, us. Yeah, so NHL has decided that they're going to stop testing asymptomatic players and staff for COVID after the All-Star break. Now, people have kind of been arguing for this for a while, and to me, I, you know, I think initially when people were saying this, I was like, well, that seems really like irresponsible, right? Like to, to just stop testing. But when you think about it, it is a lot more like in line with what's happening in the world. Mm-hmm. And I also have kind of used the NHL as a proxy for how COVID is going, right? Because they are testing every day. And when Omicron was hitting and you saw dozens of players sh- like at a time showing up with positive tests. Games getting uh, Yeah, I was like, Omicron's about to hit in a big way in the US, right? And in Canada. And sure enough it did. And so it it feels like, you know, they're they're not making these decisions uh just with no guidance, right? Like they're it's not just Gary Bettman being like, yeah, this is probably fine. Let's just not <laughs> test anymore. Like it it probably makes sense to not test every day. Um, or to not test them if they don't have symptoms. And so to me, it feels like a positive thing. Like we're like we're starting to move past this, right? It doesn't have to be as crazy anymore. But I was curious what you guys, how you reacted to this when you when you saw this news or well, if you cared at all. It's weird 
because uh-huh. it doesn't feel like just after what we've been through with with COVID and testing, and it, it feels counterintuitive. But and I also think it makes a lot of sense on some point too. And I think John, you've said before, like it's weird that these guys couldn't play hockey. Yeah, but I'll, we can, we can I'll, go. We can I'll go get on a plane. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll comment. <laughs> yeah, but I'll let you speak um, first. I mean. Obviously, the NHL wants to have games played. They don't want to lose any more games. You know, Johnny's schedule's probably pulling Johnny's all his hair schedule. out um, for Johnny February. Or Johnny yeah. Calendar, sorry, whatever we called him. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so I get that they want the games played. And I mean, I don't know. I had a recent scare with, with COVID where I, I luckily was was negative. Um, mm-hmm. Stay positive, test negative, I like That's to right. say, which yeah. I stole from Phil Varney of the Thunderbirds. But. That's a good one. <laughs> um, you know, I didn't have any symptoms, but the person who had it, who alerted me that, that I'd been in close contact with, did have symptoms, right? And so I don't know. I have a weird feeling about, like, just saying, okay, well, if they don't show symptoms, no big deal. We're not going to worry about it because they could still spread it even if you're positive, right? Yeah. So, well, I don't, so, I, it, it's, okay. I understand it. I, I, I guess I'm just like crossing my fingers and hope that it, that it, it doesn't end up with something bad happening. So one thing I want to point out is in the press release, they they said that 60% of rostered players had gotten a positive COVID test oh, in the man. last five weeks. Okay. Five man. weeks. So remember that, that now they have like a three-month, like... They don't... Yeah, they don't get tested. Get yeah, they can't whatever. get it yeah. for three yeah. months. So 60% of the league can't even get it in the next mm-hmm. three months. Now, you know, I'd been saying for a while, and, and I, I probably didn't share it here, that it, it's crazy that... They, those guys need to get tested every day, yet we can go to theaters, restaurants, beer bars, league hockey. beer league hockey. Yeah. NHL yeah. hockey games. <laughs> yeah. And beer league, we don't have to wear masks when we're on the ice. And it, it's just, it's incredible that we, the general population, don't have to get tested, but the least vulnerable people on the planet, professional athletes, have to get tested every day, right? Yeah, and I'm like, there's point. something just out of whack here, and I... People still think it's irresponsible, which is fine. They can think that, mm-hmm. but you might as well close down all the bars, no fans at, at games, like if that's your mentality, or you demand everybody test daily. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like I said, though, you know, I, you know that word irresponsible, that did jump in my mind when I saw people arguing for that. Like, I was like, what? How could you possibly do that? Like, you know what's what's been going on here. But like, I mean, it's it's not having the same impact this this version of it is not having the same uh like really serious health impact on people that mm-hmm. uh previous Which versions true, was. Yeah. so well, because everyone's or a majority of the population at least certainly in seattle are, are vaccinated vaccinated yeah. and or have had it before yeah right? and so yeah all the nhl and well, have the booster all the kraken players have been vaccinated right, right? yeah so, i mean the, the numbers of like how people get housewives who have the booster and the vaccinations is really low yeah, I'm convinced that's why I didn't get it with this close contact. I had because yeah. I had the booster. So well, I would think. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I I remember, yeah. remember we said we were never going to talk about COVID again, like yeah. many mm-hmm. times on this podcast. So it's anyway. been a while. I do remember April of 2020 where you like <laughs> oh, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah. I, I specifically remember that on the podcast. I'm yeah, like, it didn't. Uh, that no, didn't I don't well. think it's going away. Yeah, it didn't age well. <laughs> this conversation hangs around like a virus, man. I'm telling you. Uh, <laughs> Good one. Uh, the PHF, the formerly known as the NWHL, now the PHF, it has some pretty big news that it announced on Tuesday, which is that uh, their board of governors, and you know, I, I understand that they used to all be owned by the league. Now the teams are all actually owned by separate parties. Uh, and so this board of governors from all these teams got together and decided that they're going to add another team in Montreal. Uh, they're also going to invest $25 million in the players. And that means that their salary cap is essentially going to double. Uh, and it's going up to, I think it was 710000 or 750000 something like that for the teams. 
which is much, much higher, obviously. It's literally twice than what it was before. Uh, but, I mean, it's it's a great step in the right direction, and this is the same thing that we said last time news like this came. It's it's a long way to go still, right? Like, But it's a great positive step, I think. Yeah, you need, you need trends in yeah. the right direction. And, and that has been the trend now. There's been yeah. a few positive things for this league, which I think is They, they is actually announced that there's going to be eight teams, so that's mm. adding two teams. Ah, um, well, didn't they say, yeah, okay. I, they I, didn't I, announce where the teams were. Mm. I mean, I think Montreal is like said. an odd, yep. obvious one. Uh-huh. Um, and then I, I've seen a lot of people speculating that Wisconsin. Oh, um, no. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, it's fascinating. Um, we'll have to keep an eye on this. Um, the context around this is is also that this is Olympic year, and these Olympic athletes, once they're done, it's it's there's gap years, and they need a place to play, and they're hoping that they can appeal to this these other players um, that had previously been boycotting the what was known as the NWHL at the time, and and so now uh, the PHF trying to attract those those players back and show some some investments, some commitments that that they intend to kind of honor and and attract talent, and that should make the whole league. So it's like a kind of a win win scenario. You get better talent. It's more appealing for sponsors. Mm-hmm for fans, everything. So something to keep an eye on. Uh, Obviously, like you said, Darren, you know, a long way to go, but it's trending in the right direction. That's right. Uh, Okay, let's get to our interview with Jasper Weatherby. We now welcome on the Sound of Hockey a 23-year-old rookie center with the San Jose Sharks. He's played 36 games for the Sharks this season and before turning pro, had a stellar career at the University of North Dakota. Uh, he even played some junior hockey locally here in the Seattle area, sort of, with the Wenatchee Wild of the BCHL. Uh, hailing from Ashland, Oregon, welcome Jasper Weatherby to the show, and thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Uh, oh, the pleasure is ours, Jasper. We've been kind of thinking about this for a while. We're like, well, what's the right time to try to get him on? Because he's got all these connections to the area, and it would be a lot of fun to talk to him and and wouldn't you know, here come the Sharks to play the Kraken in a couple of days. And we thought, you know what? What better time than this? So I'm just going to kind of address the elephant in the room here, which is that with the Sharks coming to town, uh, is there any bulletin board material that you want to give to the Seattle players? Maybe a little trash talk, something to kick up this rivalry a notch? Yeah, I don't know if I have anything right now. Um, but uh, I'm sure as the you know, as, as our two teams play each other, you know, it'll definitely, uh, you know, create some good rivalries and, and hopefully the fans can, um, on both sides can, can buy in and, and make it a, you know, must see game. So, sure. Well, so, I mean, maybe we'll ask again at the end of the interview here and see if we can <laughs> get something, something out of you here, but yeah, fair enough. Uh, so, okay. So you're, you're coming off of a game now in which your teammate Timo Meyer scored five goals. Um, so are, like as Seattle people, are we supposed to be impressed by that or how are we supposed to react to that? Like, is that, is that good? Yeah, I hope you're impressed by it. I mean, I was sure impressed. It was, it was crazy. Every shot was going in and, um, I mean, he works so hard and, uh, obviously I'm, I'm, you know, a younger guy relatively compared to him. He's pretty young too, but, um, just to be able to, you know, witness that and, and, you know, get to, you know, watch him in practice and, and get to play against him. It was pretty special to uh, be a part of that. Yeah. Well, Meyer's one of those guys, and, and I feel like the Sharks over the years have had so many of those guys where you're like, you know, as kind of an, an outside fan looking in, you're, you're not super familiar with some of the some of the players that they have, and then they grow into these absolute studs, right? And, you know, you have kind of a firsthand knowledge of, of what's happening at the organization. I'm, I'm wondering, you know, what is it that, that they do to so successfully develop these, these young players into, into stars? 
yeah, it, it's true. You see, you know, all these guys, Pavs coming out and, and just now being a, a stud for the last, you know, almost 10 years. And um, yeah, I think it's just a belief in, in their development system and, and what they have going on. And um, you know, a belief to kind of develop their draft picks. And um, it's, it's nice when an organization has confidence to allow players to, uh, you know, maybe have a development, uh, you know, development curve and know that there's going to be some ups and downs and um, they really stick with guys and, and try to make it work for, for them. And Timo is a prime example of that. And so you are making your first visit to Climate Pledge Arena here in a couple of days. Uh, by the time our listeners hear this, it'll probably be game day. In fact, uh, I mean, what are, what are your expectations for, for playing in Seattle? Do you have, I mean, with all your connections, is there anybody that's going to be in the crowd, anything like that? Yeah, I got some aunts and uncles and some family friends up there for sure. Seattle is uh, a great, a great city. I, I love visiting there and um, played some hockey growing up, uh, up and down the West Coast. And Seattle is always a great place to play. So um, I'll have some aunts and uncles and um, I'm really excited to, uh, I've seen, obviously seen photos of the arena and I think it's going to be interesting to kind of look to the left or right at the Jumbotron, not kind of straight up from the bench. So I'm pretty excited. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah we hear that from, from opposing players quite a bit, that that throws them a little bit at first. So it takes a little bit of getting used to, but um, yeah, it's a, it's a cool place. Think you'll, think you'll definitely like it. You grew up a Sharks fan. And uh, you ended up getting drafted by the Sharks. And the big thing I want to know, because I, I, I've been a Sharks fan most of my life. And, and one thing I want to know is what it was like your first game opening night going through that shark head. Pretty cool. Uh, pretty, you know, <laughs> surreal experience. I mean, I spent a lot of time in San Jose playing hockey. It was the closest, uh, you know, hockey hub to where I grew up. Um, and I've been, been to a ton of games and, um, you know, with my family and stuff. So, uh, you know, really going through there, it was, it was just thinking back to those moments with my family and, and friends being in that arena and kind of trying to, um, you know, carry, I guess, them with me a little bit. Cause you know, I, I ride on the shoulders of those who have helped me get to this moment. So, um, it was pretty special. And I, I think it was, you know, just as special for my family and friends in, in attendance as well. And that, that game turned out all right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it was a pretty, uh, pretty cool game. And your your first goal was pretty sick. Off, uh, I mean, it was it was from Carlson feed on in the power play of all things. What was that experience like? You know, your first goal there too. Yeah, pretty surreal. I mean, um, having Carlson pass the puck there, I think that uh, you know he's an elite offensive defenseman, and just you know to be able to you know watch him growing up and um, kind of share that moment with. Uh, with him and, and as well, the rest of the guys on the team was, was pretty awesome. What did, what did you do with the puck? I'm assuming you got the puck. Yeah, I got the puck and um, I gave it, uh, I gave it to my family just to, to hold on to for now. And um, yeah, it's, I think just, you know, just as much a uh, moment for them as it is for me. So uh, you alluded a little bit to your, to your journey here. And we do want to talk about that quite a bit because yours is a unique one and it, it definitely ties in with the Seattle area and the, you know, state of Washington, state of Oregon. Um, you didn't exactly grow up in a hockey hotbed in Southern Oregon. So let's start with that. How did you even get into the sport living where you were living? Yeah, my uh, childhood best friends, uh, family friends to this day still, um, they were going down to, to the rink to, to skate and play hockey and um, asked if I wanted to come and um, you know, I kind of went and, and fell in love and, and just kind of loved the game and loved the, you know, the people around. And, um, so that's kind of how I got into it. Um, and from there it just kind of, you know, blossomed into something that I really love to do. And, um, I think I was, you know, in a way lucky, I was only able to skate a couple times a week. So that hunger was always there, mm. which was really unique. And I remember going to 
when I moved away from home and I could skate every day. I remember seeing a lot of kids, they weren't very excited about this. Um, there was an outdoor rink and I remember it was, you know, only four or five of us would be out there all the time. And for me growing up, that was my, you know, I wanted to skate on an outdoor rink. I wanted to play all the time. So it gave me a really good perspective of, of how lucky, you know, we are to skate every day. And, um, so I kind of tried to use that, you know, uh, motivation and, and excitement, uh, throughout my career. That's interesting. I, I remember, I mean, feeling that way too. I grew up in the Midwest and we had, you know, during the summer you'd practice almost every day, even it's like, I don't really want to be at the ice rink in the summer. You know, like that was a feeling that I even had as a kid growing <laughs> up. And, um, so that's, that's very interesting that you'd, you'd think that part of your success comes from not practicing so much when there's such a tendency <laughs> from parents to, um, really burn their kids out. That's really fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. I was yeah open to uh, a lot of sports. I, I basically lived on my rollerblades and, and we played street hockey. I had the whole whole neighborhood. I was lucky to have my best friend live two doors down, um, and we'd you know literally play every day. We'd rollerblade to school, rollerblade back. So I spent a lot of time on rollerblades, and yeah, just kind of fed my my hunger for the game. Very cool. Oh, you know, we're, we're very familiar here in Seattle with what the hockey community is like, and it's growing, obviously. But I'm curious in Oregon, it can't, it, and my assumption would be that it's not very big or robust. Like when you were at school talking to friends, did they have no idea what hockey was even? <laughs> yeah, not really. Um, but, you know, kind of what we lack in size, you know, we make up for in passion and, and, and a really positive group. Um, you know, growing up, you'd go to stick and puck and there would be you know, people who, you know, older guys who are, you know, 70 years old and <laughs> young guy, you know, young kids who are maybe four or five That's learning awesome. how to skate. So um, the group is really passionate. And, and still to this day, we have, uh, I, I, you know, am able to stay in contact with a lot of, with a lot of people and, and they come down to games. And um, so it was, you know, it was like getting dropped off at the rink was like going to my second family. It was, it was a blast. And you made a really tough, what had to be a tough decision to leave home at a pretty young age. And we hear that a lot from, prospects in the northwest that they have to go find somewhere else to play uh how did you end up going to ottawa though usually the folks here end up in like bc or something but uh how did you end up in the east coast and, and was that scary was it exciting was it a little bit of both yeah it was definitely a wild ride um you know i'd had conversations with my with my family and, and my dad and, and we kind of realized hey if if you were serious about this game and, and you want to play at the next level um you're gonna have to probably leave for for high school um and even in eighth grade i was traveling up to, to Belling, Bellingham um, and uh, the Puget Sound area up there and into BC and Vancouver to play. Um, so the trip to Ottawa was, uh, it was a new kind of academy up there and they were offering some pretty, um, you know, good financial packages and, and really trying to kind of jumpstart their program. So it was, you know, a lot easier to get into than somewhere like Shack St. Mary's or even, um, <laughs> I think what you guys have up in the BC area, there's some, some good, really good academies up there. But again, I was, wasn't, you know, top of the top of the heap. So getting into some of those places wasn't, uh, wasn't the easiest for me. Well, and we, we obviously track you, tracked you at uh, the Wenatchee wild. And uh, I remember when you got drafted, I'm like, wait, who's this kid? You know, and it's at Lumi Island, right? <laughs> That's where uh, your hometown was from. But um, you know, I, I loved reading about your your story about even getting to the wild and and how you really didn't have a spot. Like I, I if if correct me if I'm wrong, but you almost had a tryout for a spot at the Wenatchee Wild. Is that accurate? And and can you tell us a little bit about your experience getting onto the team, how you ended up there, and then and then your experience with the wild? Yeah, it was uh, definitely a, a long road. And and for younger kids out there, I think that even getting to juniors can just be trial and error. You know, I think that. Uh, I was cut from eight, nine junior programs throughout the U.S. and Canada. Yeah, I was. I got cut from 
a North American Hockey League team. And that was like really, really, really challenging for me because um, that was kind of like, uh, you know, I was like, that was uh, at that age, I was 18 years old. People were getting drafted in the NHL over my age. And I was like, man, this, this might be the end of the road. And I remember having conversations with my dad um, and he's just say, hey, you, you got to keep trying, you know, keep, keep making people tell you no until somebody tells you yes. So um, I went to Omaha Lancers camp. Um, they cut me again. Um, and I remember getting, a, an invite to the Wenatchee Wild program and they said, Hey, we're going to bring you in for training camp. Um, but there's no guarantees. Um, we have a bunch of guys. So I remember showing up and there's like 40 guys and I'm thinking there's 20 spots and I'm looking at the roster. It's an older <laughs> roster. I'm like, and something my, my dad is always like, Hey, you can't, don't, don't count. Don't go in there counting. Cause you're just going to psych yourself out. Just <laughs> go in there playing your best and, and believing in yourself. And, um, I remember it's getting down to the wire and I'm looking around and there's really good players and I'm like, Oh, you know, I'm getting close here and, and I'm not going to count. And it was definitely an interesting experience. They put me in a billet family house, which I'm still really close to them. And, and after I'd made the team, they came and they told me, they said, Hey, listen, we, weren't really expecting to bill it for the whole season because we didn't think that you were going to um and the coaches came and said hey like we'll move him if you want and um they were like hey we, we really like this kid and, and we're gonna you know stay with him so I was, yeah so looking back i'm like wow okay um but uh yeah two years you know two years later and, and they're you know they're literally my uh, second second family and that was a pretty cool experience and and just being able to make that team and that was like uh, one of those successful moments where you look back and you're like, man, that's, that's, that was pretty cool. So one of my definitely uh, proudest moments was making that team. How or when did you get an offer from UND or, or how did you, how did you select North Dakota? Cause obviously that's a pretty big program. And sometimes those rosters are set years in advance. Um, how yeah. did that end up happening? Uh, that was the next year. I think I had, I had played my, my rookie year with Menachee and gone home that summer and said, you know, like, it's a good league. It's on. This, yeah, it's hard. I can play in this league, but if I put in the work in the summer and I really train and show up ready to go, um, I hopefully I can get a bigger, bigger role on the team and, and hopefully go to college. Um, I remember getting my first college offer uh, to, I think I might've been Northern Michigan university. And I just remember calling my mom and um, it was, you know, basically a walk on spot. And I remember calling my mom and going, this is awesome. And she's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> let's take it. Let's go. And uh, my coaches were like, Hey, you know, hold on. There might be some better options out there. So, um, so yeah, anyway, that, uh, that just ended up, you know, the North Dakota uh, offered me and um, it was, uh, it was pretty surreal and that worked out. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was definitely the right decision. And um, we had a, ended up having a, a great year in, in Wenatchee that year and um, yeah, great place. What, to what kind of impact did that having to like not have anything guaranteed to you having to scramble for a spot? How did that, you think that's impact you as you've moved forward into your pro career? I think it's just, you learn from your experiences, right? Um, I remember, you know, I, you, I look back on those moments when you come to an NHL camp and you're like, uh, there's you know 40 plus guys here too. And um, <laughs> just think about my dad saying, Hey, don't, don't count. Just believe in yourself. And, you know, again, make, keep, keep making people tell you no until somebody tells you yes. So kind of carried that with me. So uh, Jasper, shif shifting gears a little bit here. And, you know, we, we wanted to ask you about some of the social justice stuff that you've been involved in, but we also, you know, we're, we're cognizant that this is a bigger conversation, right? And it, it doesn't necessarily, um, you know, I don't know if we, if we 
do it justice, so to speak, by just kind of throwing this into an interview about your um, your journey. But I know it's been such an important part of your life. And I, I just I feel like we'd be remiss to not ask you about some of the stuff that you've done. And um, so you made national headlines right after the all the George Floyd stuff when you and your teammate, your uh, well, your roommate, right, Jacob Bernard Docker, um, you guys decided to kneel for the national anthem. And um, I know there's a lot more to it than than just you guys trying to make a statement. I, I do want to know, though, you know, from from your side of it, what, what went into that? Why was that so important for you? Um, and then what was the reaction like uh, on the, the North Dakota campus after that? That's a great question. Um, yeah, obviously with uh, kind of the social justice uh, up- uprising and, and uh, you know, the, the death of George Floyd kind of shining light on a, uh, you know, a difficult situation in America here. I think that, um, you know, I realized quickly that I was in kind of a niche market where it's a traditionally, you know, white sport, um, higher income, you know, my opportunity was to kind of shine light on some of the issues that, you know, maybe people aren't aware of or are kind of trying to turn a blind eye to um, educating themselves more. So um, I had had conversations with my family, uh, with my friends um, that summer um, about, you know, the possibility of doing that for our first game and um, brought those, uh, you know, same conversations to the locker room and, and to, uh, you know, our, our, the conversation with our coaches and, you know, for us, it was, how can we shine light on an, on an issue that a lot of people maybe won't have conversations with in their household. Um, and for us, we thought that making a statement during a, a game would be um, the right thing to do. And the feedback was uh, very, very positive. And obviously there was some negative feedback too, but for us, any feedback, any, any light on that issue was just going to be beneficial to what we were kind of trying to raise awareness to. Yeah. And you, you come from a family with a history of, of uh, kind of fighting the good fight, so to speak. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, both of my grandparents were civil rights lawyers. Uh, both worked on a case with Martin Luther King, um, marched in Selma. You know, were heavily, heavily rooted in the civil rights uh, issues and, and still were, um, you know, all the way up till, um, unfortunately, they're, you know, both passed away. You know, I think we just kind of were raised in an environment where it was kind of how can we help um, bring people up who, you know, maybe don't have the same opportunities uh, as myself or, or people around me. So it, it was just, you know, kind of how can I create my own footsteps and how can I create my own kind of path in, in honoring my, you know, my two grandparents. Mm-hmm. And so now that you're on an even bigger platform, um, what are, how does the, the fight continue for you now? What are you um, continuing to do? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, every time you make kind of a, a new just uh, a new a jump to a new level, you kind of try to figure out, you know, how can I be effective in, in the place I am? Um, so for me, I'm still kind of trying to figure that out. Um, you know, working with people in, in the Sharks organization to kind of figure out, hey, how can we um, continue to build and, and work and grow? And I think that at the same time, you know, showing people that it's okay to stand up for what you believe in and it won't affect your hockey career. People will actually commend you for it. So I, I just try to be a, an outlet to young young players or younger people in, in the community who, you know, maybe want to stand up for something that they're not sure how it's going to be perceived. So for me, it's it's kind of showing that it's okay to... to to be who you are, um, and people are just going to commend you for it. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that all all that with us. I, I think uh, you know you're, you're such a unique person in that you you do 
put those kinds of things out there in, in such a buttoned up sport. And like you said, you know, it's, it's a, a sport that's so predominantly white and so predominantly, you know, higher income, things like that. And, um, for, for somebody like you in your position, a young hockey player, um, just kind of getting into the NHL to, to still be, um, willing to put yourself out there like that. I think that's very commendable. So thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. Thanks guys. Well, I don't have a good segue from something so important <laughs> to something less important, but I'm going to jump in anyways here for the next, <laughs> the next question for you. Um, when you're at North Dakota, you played in that game. We talked about it on the podcast quite a bit, that epic uh, five-overtime game in the tournament uh, against UMD. What a crazy experience that had to be. Had you ever been through something like that before? What was it like to, to be a part of that game? I've never been through anything like that. I think uh, the longest I've gone is maybe one or two overtimes. Um, I think in Wenatchee, we went to a second overtime game, but it ended relatively quickly. Um, that was crazy to be a part of, a lot of fun. Um, I'll look back on those memories. Just, you know, they talk about, you know, in meditation, being very present and aware of your situation. And I think that when you're in that locker room after the fourth or fifth overtime, you're very <laughs> present and aware of what's going on. So um, one of those surreal moments that, I just was, you know, fortunate to be a part of. What was your minutes on ice for that game? Do you remember? <laughs> I don't know. I think it was almost right around a full game. So, yeah, Six minutes. It was, yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. When those games happen, like in the NHL, we hear about pizzas being brought in during intermissions. <laughs> Did you guys get food brought in during the during the intermissions? There, yeah, they were going up to the. They were going anywhere they could do their fine food. <laughs> like, um, I think it. You know, they bring in Coca Cola around just to get our sugar levels up. And uh -huh. um, I think I remember watching Chara in a game drink a Coke once. I was like, "What are they doing?" And then I had <laughs> the game. I was like. It's the first time I've had a Coke in maybe a year, so it was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, they were just trying to get us any electrolytes or sugars or just something into our bodies. I mean, you had to be pretty depleted after that. I, like I've <laughs> done some uh, some marathons in my day, and and when you're when you get to the end, I'm like I'm like grabbing anything I can as I'm you know like people hand out potato chips and like anything at all that you wouldn't yeah. think would be good, but it's like just give me like salt, give me anything that helps me like feel a little less depleted right now like how did you how did you feel the day after that game yeah you you just your body just feels like it was you know you know you probably don't we didn't get to sleep till you know maybe five or six am and I think that you know again the the body was was hurting, but I think that you know the mind and 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 realizing that that was the moment where you know your your team for the last three years. Um, was basically going to kind of disperse and, and go their separate ways. So that was the hardest part, to be honest with sure. you, looking around that locker room and going, you know, this might be the last time I play with the majority of these guys. And um, so that was that was definitely the hardest part. And when you're going through a game like that, you're not thinking about like when it is potentially your last game, you're not really thinking about the fact that it's your last game. You're you're focused on trying to win. Right. And then the loss happens yeah. and it happens in a blink of an eye. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, now I realize what's happened. Like, did you go through that? Yeah. And, and they had scored earlier um, and then it had gotten called off. Oh, so that's like, right. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. A little bit of your mind has that in the back of it. Uh, but you're right. Like once you're playing, it's, you're just completely focused on the team and, and your body and, and how can I help, help win. And you're in that kind of a live state. And, and, and when that happens and you're in the locker room and you're kind of going around giving guys hugs, that's when it really comes and it hits you like very blessed to be able to stay with, of the majority of, of that kind of core UND group since when I was a freshman to a junior. And, and uh, you know, we had started off, I had a really, you know, tough freshman year and the team was still kind of trying to figure out the identity. And a lot of guys had, had left early um, from the national championship team. And um, to kind of get to that point where we were a powerhouse uh, in college hockey was, was really cool. So again, it just made it, you know, 
that that much tougher. So this, this summer, you spoke to one of our writers, Jim Wilkie, um, for an article on soundofhockey.com. And, and the plan or the theme of the article was that you were returning back to North Dakota. And obviously that didn't happen. <laughs> what, what changed in that, you know, four months? Uh, yeah. So definitely um, had full intentions of returning for my senior year. And I talked with my family and my, and my agency and, and they felt, and, and we felt that that was the best decision. Um, it kind of changed when I came down here for a development camp in San Jose and got a chance to talk with the, you know, with, with Doug Wilson and, and Boogie here and, and uh, kind of get a, a real sense of, of maybe the opportunity that was available. And, you know, I think you work your, your whole life to get to that opportunity where it, you know, your dream can kind of become a reality. And for me that, that was this this year, and it was definitely a really tough decision. But at the same time, I look at UND as they elevated me to this position. Mm-hmm. Um, and without them, I'm not here. You know, at the end of the day, you want to one add to the tradition at North Dakota, which I felt like I did, and two, you know, get to a position where you were able to make that jump to the next level. It's all all due to them. So for me, the opportunity was it came at a weird time, but it was it it came at a great time and. It was, I'm, I'm happy I made the decision. You know, reading from the outside, it, it appeared that you were a surprise from camp and you had a good camp, whether it be the development camp and then and then later at the beginning of the camp. And you're like ahead of schedule, theoretically, right? Based on your draft position, your draft year. Is that accurate or were you always trying to make the the main squad, the NHL team, not not just go to the sign a pro contract? Yeah. So, you know, obviously your goal is, is to make the, the main squad out, out of out of camp and, and you realize, Hey, if, if I do have to spend some time in, in the, with the Barracuda and in, in the American league, then that's, that's great. And that's just going to help my development. So, you know, for me, I always kind of expect the best out of myself and, and try to perform. And um, I look back to my time when actually I came in here, I, I wasn't counting. I was just trying to play my best and add to the San Jose roster and, and help them win. Was there a moment in that camp where you were like, this is, this is going really well. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? We're like, oh, I have a chance here. And and maybe you went in, like, you know, obviously you said your goal is to make it. But um, to John's point, I mean, it, it was a long shot. Like, nobody was was talking about you making the team, at least that I I know of. And um, all of a sudden, poof, you're on the team. Was was there a moment in camp where you started to realize that things were kind of clicking? Not really. Um, I think <laughs> that maybe the moment was skating through that shark head. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that I didn't want to have a moment of like taking the, my foot off the gas and or taking mm-hmm. a, a shift off or whatever. So it was it was just you know stay focused, stay in stay in the moment, and and continue working. Well, congratulations on your your success so far, Jasper. And uh, tomorrow, well Thursday, whenever you guys play against the Kraken, we'll <laughs> um, we're going to be rooting against you, but it won't be as hard as we're going to be rooting against your teammates. So. Um, <laughs> So thank you. Thank you very much for doing this, though, and, and for sharing the, the stories with us. We, we appreciate your time, and um, I know our, our listeners here are going to love this. So thank you so much. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for having me on, guys. It was a blast. All right. Thank you again to Jasper Weatherby for joining us uh, on the podcast. And, uh, you know, Great that dude. was that was cool. What a, what a nice dude. Yeah. Uh, I cannot help but root for him after, Except after for chatting Thursday. with him. Yeah. yeah. It was, you know what, what's cool is sometimes when you you get these player interviews early on in a player's career they don't say much yeah they say next to nothing because <laughs> they're they're just kind of I don't know if it's scared or it's just they just don't want to do anything yeah. wrong or uh, not a lot of training probably and, yeah. and you know they're they're starting they're at a point where they're probably starting to get media training so they want to do it the right way you know say the things that they're supposed to say but not do anything too crazy that'll yeah and really get attention on them even Jasper though they seemed like he was just we were just talking to a yep. random dude, right? 
kind yep. of thing. So just comfortable. Cool. He's yep. himself, and he talked about that, right? Yes, he's, he's himself. He's gonna always be himself. Thank you, the Sharks, by the way, for uh, for setting that up, Kyle Stutzel. Uh, awesome to work with you to get that uh, set up, and we really appreciate it, and we really appreciate Jasper's time and all that stuff. So um, awesome, awesome stuff. Uh, hey, let's move on to our segments, and our first segment is everyone's favorite segment: Goalie Gear Corner. <laughs> Speaking of the PHF, uh, the Minnesota Whitecaps have a new set of gear for Allie Morse. It's Bauer Vapor. And we've definitely talked about uh, Minnesota Whitecaps gear in the past. Remember, we had Walleye. We had Loons on some of the pads. That's right. Yes. Uh, so this one's just more of like a like a nature motif on the front. It's got very cool like waves and, and uh, water, uh, one of the many lakes in Minnesota. And then oh, is there lakes in Minnesota? Trees. I heard there's like 1,000 of them. 10,000. 10,000. And oh. then uh, Wisconsin actually has more, though. Fun fact. Uh, but then on the side, do you guys get the joke here on the side I do because we joked about it on the podcast that's right no i don't you don't apparently growing up darren and his minnesotans played duck duck gray duck that's right oh, instead of duck duck goose like the rest right. of the normal so here world you go. so there's amazing it's a blue duck a blue duck and then <laughs> and a, a little gray, gray duck, duck. So, it's kind of awesome yeah oh man no i'm actually surprised because i brought that up once and you guys were like what like you had truly never heard it before mm-hmm. and there was a uh that the first year that the nfl started to allow them to do like choreographed celebrations again they played duck duck Goose. i remember that the who was that the vikings. Yeah. Vikings. okay i remember that and everyone on twitter was like oh that's funny they played duck duck gray duck all the vikings fans right and people lost their minds on twitter <laughs> for like know. several days i would have oh, wow. i would like what are you talking about yeah mm, it's goose and all, all the minnesotans were like this is the thing like everybody was fighting back right <laughs> it's like those anyway. breezers yeah, yeah that's it's right. like those yeah. breezers uh, it's a beautiful set of gear, though. I gotta say, I really, really like it. It looks very three dimensional, uh, and it's cool. It's it's like it's just a little bit different from other motifs, you know, like nature motifs that you see on pads. Sometimes it just looks a little different. I love it. So so well done, Ali Morse. Oh, and actually, the tweet by the way from White Caps says, "Duck, duck. Yep. You know the rest. Hint: It's not goose." <laughs> <laughs> so they're aware of how how crazy that is. Oh, whatever. Uh, we now move on to our weekly one timers. Our first weekly one-timer, the Colorado Avalanche are the fourth team in the last 35 years to win at least 14 consecutive home games. Is that good? Pretty good. Seems pretty good. I believe the Kraken were win number 12. That's right. They were right well, in there. And so they were, they that, almost broke the streak. That yeah. feels pretty good because they were part of history. Yeah. I mean, they could have won that <laughs> night. They really could have. Um, yep. anyway. That was in the middle of that streak where the Avs had won five in a row where they came back in. So. That's right. The Kraken um, were number five there. I guess the abs are kind of good. Whatever. Our next weekly <laughs> one-timer. Two jerseys have been retired uh, in the NHL. Willie O'Ree finally gets his hoisted to the rafters of uh, TD Garden in Boston. I mean, that's a long, long gap. Uh, and it is interesting to see how this is kind of shaken out for him these last few years where they've really put him at the like the forefront and made him kind of the PR guy, which I think is interesting. Um, you know, they're, took they're, that long. they're celebrating him, but it's like, it's so late, you know, like why couldn't they have done yes. this 20 years ago? And obviously <laughs> the, the landscape has changed um, a lot in the world and in hockey and all that, but it's just like, you know, it just feels a little bit performative to me. Like it's, it's wonderful that he's getting this mm-hmm. attention. I think it's incredible, but I'm also like, you know, it, it's, it's too late now. Like, I wish we would have done this a long time ago and just like made him part of the conversation many, many years ago. But anyway, hindsight's twenty twenty. That's a good joke because he is blind in one eye. But 
<laughs> is that a good joke? I don't know. Which is incredible <laughs> because he made it to the NHL yeah. and is blind to one eye. Yeah, I'm losing true. my voice all of a sudden. John, please talk for a moment so I can drink some water. Well, I mean, I... I always think about um, the saying, the, the best time to plant a, tr- a tree is 20 years ago. Yeah. The next best time <laughs> is today. So okay. Might as well do it when you when you can, even if you missed the opportunity. That was um, very profound, John. You know, <laughs> I mean, Ari wasn't like a Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson was an amazing he played player. He played the major league for a long yeah, time. Yeah, and was like a really, really good player. Mm-hmm. Um, Willie is a great person, right? But he didn't. he wasn't like this you know, yeah. amazing hockey player. Um, so he was I, because he made it to the NHL, but it, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, and, sure. and he, you know, but well, yes, time I hear you saying he wasn't like a, yeah. he wasn't like a superstar player for yeah. many years. Yeah. I mean, I and like there, you know, I think about like Larry Kwong, who was the first Asian um, player to play in the NHL. And, you know, you don't really hear about him. He's passed away, but, mm-hmm. but um, he was before Willie O'Ree and they don't do anything about, that and so i i don't know i just think that um it might be performative but i i think it's the right thing to do yeah uh, I, and, and I, I also I, like that it's just in boston and not like a league-wide thing i think that is is unnecessary like and it's special about boston because well, let me ask like, you this if the nhl hadn't started to like do this big thing with him where they put him on the you know the road show and all this stuff right do you think boston would have retired his number tonight i think it it's all probably not but I think everything was related, yeah. right? And it and it was about a movement about things and awareness and the challenges we have in hockey and the need for voices like Willie O'Ree. So I, I think you can't really separate the two because it's all part of the same thing, sure. the, the same movement. That's just my thought. Um, and I think, I think it's great, obviously. And also, Chris Pronger had his jersey retired by the St. Louis Blues. Noted jerk. No, just kidding. <laughs> Is he? Oh, no, like I mean, he was kind of, he was funny on the ice. Yes. Right? And he was funny with the press. He was a jerk on the ice, kind of. Yeah. Yep. Um, I he didn't was like... a scary player to play yeah, against. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I didn't like when my teams played against him. <laughs> uh, do you remember when he stole the puck? Yes. In, uh, in Chicago? Phil- yeah. Against in the, in the playoffs, Philadelphia yeah. versus Chicago, stole the puck. And Stanley Cup finally, he stole the, he, when Chicago won, he would get the puck and take, take it with him and claim, yeah. he claimed he threw him in the garbage can when he yeah. got off the yeah. ice. Yeah. So um, he was a, he's a pretty funny guy. Um, he battled. You know, a lot of concussion issues yeah. at the mm-hmm. end, and, and uh, but he still is. I saw an interview with him recently, so he still is uh, having effects from uh, all the concussions that he had. And I mean, that's why he he left the uh, the league when he did. So yeah, he also had a very scary incident where he got hit in the chest with a puck and his like heart stopped or something for a second. Oh, yeah. I've heard mm-hmm. him talk about that before too. Uh, our next weekly one timer. The Seattle Thunderbirds have a player going to the Olympics. Who is that, Andy? Uh, it's Samuel Kanasko, their defenseman from uh, Slo- Slovakia who was playing in Finland professionally now plays in Kent for the Seattle Thunderbirds. It's, it's pretty cool. You know, he's a third round pick of the Blue Jackets. So this is a, a, you know, a prospect, but I'm trying to think of like junior players playing in the Olympics when, you know, in the modern era, not when it was, you know, when it was, when there were no pros. I don't know. I don't know that it's happened. I don't think like Gretzky did when he was in junior. I don't think. Well, no, you would have thought it would have happened last Olympics. Yeah. Um, the ju- you know, juniors had with all the COVID shutdowns and everything, and you know, and, and oh wait, no, scratch all that. Yeah, yeah. The last Olympics were ago. every yeah. four years. Yeah, the pros just didn't go. 
Right. Right. I don't know, but I wonder if because COVID has become so weird, if that's why they're letting juniors go now. It just seems weird, but good for him. I mean, what a great experience at 19 years old to represent your country. It, well, and Slovakia, to be fair, is not that deep of a country, no. so that's probably why. Uh, well, he Canadian wasn't. He was a world junior guy for them. He, yeah. He yeah, played yeah. two years in that, and was. I mean, he was there this year, but it got shut down. But um, yeah, there's not a lot. Of, there's not a lot of NHL guys from Slovakia yeah. out yeah. there. So our final weekly one timer. The Montreal Canadiens hired Kent Hughes as their general manager, father of Jack Hughes. So we know where all the trades are going to happen now, right? <laughs> it's the other Jack Hughes, though. The other prospect that's coming oh, is not right. related. Yeah, yeah. Second yeah. Jack Hughes. You guys were looking at me like, oh, really? Yeah, I'm like, wait, is that yeah. right? Yeah, there is a... The other Jack Hughes is very confusing. Right. I think he plays for the national development team. He did, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, I, I don't know much about Kent Hughes, but he's been hired as hey, the Montreal He speaks French. I know that. Well, um, then, which you have great, to. great hire. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all you need to be to run the, the Canadians. That wraps up our weekly one-timers. And we now move on to Sound of Hockey's Three Stars. Andy, your star of the week. My star of the week, I dug deep to uh-huh. find this guy. You know, I really had to scour the, the hockey DB and elite prospects. My star of the week is Nathan McKinnon. Have you ever oh, heard of Nathan McKinnon? Never heard of him. Yep. Yeah, he plays yeah. from Colorado. <laughs> Decent. I think he's a newfie. Uh, he's that, not, he's not, no. He's not a newfie? Where's no. he from? <laughs> Nova Scotia, which is oh. not newfie. He's a, he's a Novus. A Novus. <laughs> and I'm not sure we should be calling people newfies. Oh, is that, that not a good word? I think it's a little disparaging. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, oh, it's, okay. it's okay-ish, but... Well, I, I apologize to all the Newfoundlers like, and moment. the Nova Scotians who, that, who are upset that I... <laughs> that's a learning moment for all of us. <laughs> we so. have at least one or two that listen, I think. I'm so. sure we do. Anyway, carry on. Meant nothing by it. Anyways, Nathan McKinnon had five points in his last two games, which was pretty good. And I was going to point out that he helped lead them to a, a, a 14th consecutive home win, but then somebody put that in the, the notes earlier in the weekly one-timer, so now mm. it's kind of lost its thunder. So, so you're not going to say that. But I'm, still, I'm not going to say that, but I'm still going to stick by Nathan McKinnon because five points in two games is good. All right, so now that you have uh, offended multiple provinces, <laughs> let's I'll kick it over to John. I'm know. sure at some point I've offended them all. Yeah, good luck following that one up, John. <laughs> so... Uh... Andy, what were the stats on McKinnon? Five points in two games. Five points in two games. Wow. That's pretty good. Can but anybody else. beat that? <laughs> yes. Yes, my star of the week. Uh, Timo Meyer. Okay. But See, this we, is a little cheap because yeah, we had is, him. We I was going to pick about him. It. We already talked about him with Weatherby. Boo. So. But that's all right. It's still impressive. It's a <laughs> five goals in a game that you can talk about him a lot. So that was in San Jose. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there was no... Joe Thornton hat trick. Oh. So if you don't know what a Joe Wait, Thornton hat trick is, the rooster trick. What? But why? Why wasn't there? Because he was. He, he, he was the, Joe Thornton is the one that has to yes. do the rooster I, trick. I don't know the oh. official rules of well, the Joe Thornton hat trick. That's how it was originally hat-trick. stated. Uh-huh. <laughs> but if you don't know what the Joe Thornton hat trick is, you should look it up. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's maybe not when clean. you're at work. It's for, yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe not work, or just make sure that no one's around. We're not four sure. of his goals in the first period. Yes, yes, they were last yeah. night or the yeah. night. Yeah, was. he had all five goals by the second period. So it was like, oh, maybe he'll have like a double hat trick or <laughs> yeah. seven goals. That would have been awesome. Mo- um, most goal, most goals sco- scored in a single game in San Jose Sharks history yeah. for a single player. So I've always liked him. Good. Yeah, seems pretty good. Uh, my star of the week is Maddie Beneers. Heard of this guy? Uh, he is, of mm. course, a very high pick of the Seattle Kraken, number two overall. He was the number <laughs> one star of the week in the Big Ten, 
conference. Uh, he had four points in a weekend sweep of Penn State. They two, they play those two game series. Uh, he had a goal and assist in each game, uh, and so he continues to play really really well. He's and it up. he's going to be in the Olympics. And I mean, he's doing great. He's having a great great season. I think sometimes you're a little bit you know when your when your team drafts a guy really high, you want him to continue to perform and live up to uh, what he's what he's done and continue to develop and all that stuff. And he has been awesome with Michigan. So can, that's can we great. eliminate Michigan from the playoffs like right now? Mm. Is there a no. way for us to do oh, that? Oh, so he can come and sign yeah. with, yeah. I mean, <laughs> but he's going to be stuck in China for oh. five weeks because he's going to be there. He'll be there for yeah. three months after yeah. he's COVID. So, but uh, now, now, what if that's season will be over. Right? He goes, I don't want to, maybe we should knock on wood or not say this out loud, but yeah, what if something happens where he ends up getting stuck in China for a long time? It delays him getting to the Kraken, even yeah. because, yeah. So, speaking of which, you know, we've talked about it before that we expect Beneers to, to join the Kraken at the tail end of the season. Mm hmm. It might be a couple games, a couple weeks, but um, there was an interview that Ron Francis gave with Aaron Levine uh, from Q13, or I think they're known as Fox 13 now, locally, and Francis was pretty forthcoming about talking about Beneers, trying to sign Beneers at the end of the year. Mm Mm-hmm. Like usually, Francis isn't that forthcoming, and GMs in general wouldn't yeah. necessarily say like, "Yeah, we're going to try to sign." Yeah, him, but right? it's basically like, "Yeah, we're going to try to get a contract in front of him," mm-hmm. like to, something along those lines. So I'm like, "That's encouraging." Not that we were surprised, but we, it's nice to be right, yeah. I guess. So <laughs> yeah, I think that's what we kind of felt. Yeah. Was, yeah so anyway, that's yeah. kind of that's kind of cool that it's highly likely he's coming here in April. That's right. We close the show with our tweets of the week. Andy, your tweet of the week. My tweet of the week comes from the Hockey News, a longstanding hockey media outlet. Mm -hmm. I used to have a subscription when I was a kid, before the internets. And uh, they tweet out a GIF from tonight's Montreal-Dallas game. And it says, exit stage left. And it's a a GIF of Laurent Dauphin, who I believe is getting a penalty either at the end of the period or something here. So he's being, you know, he's escorted. He's headed to to the dressing room. The door opens in the corner. He skates to it, step, takes one step into the doorway and slips on the mat that's there, falls actually, right on his back pretty hard. I, I actually hadn't seen this video until just now, and it's... <laughs> it's really good. Oh, that is He tough. falls pretty hard. Oh, man. And you know a lot of people saw that. Yep. That's uh, that's on national TV. I enjoy when somebody falls as long as they're not hurt. I, oh. I get a kick out of it. That's tough. That's unfortunate for him. And that's the reaction of John, who just saw the video for the first time. John, your tweet of the week. So my... Tweet of the week, maybe a different tone, comes from Jackie Redman. Um, she, she's on NHL Network. She says, regarding Dreisaitl, mm-hmm. which we opened the show with. Okay, so we're going full circle Yeah, here. full circle. Yep. Says, you can, a- you can ask hard questions while still being respectful. You can answer them th- that way, too. But just because you have the right to ask questions doesn't mean you're entitled to getting the exact responses you want. That's ridiculous. So I appreciate her level-headed, a little Mm level-headed, and saying like, "No, you're not going to just defend this old school guy that all the old school guys defend." You know, the all the journalists that defend Jim Matheson. I, I I like her take on this, and I appreciate it. It's level-headed. I appreciate it as well. Mine, my tweet of the week is kind of a string of tweets, so it oh came <laughs> tweets of the week. Settle in. Let's settle it... in. Thread of the well, do- thread of the week. This is going to get a little wild, let me tell you. Oh, wild. Uh, Great. Foreshadowing. So, so, yeah. yeah. So, you know the puffer fish that they do at the Kraken games, right? Yeah. Uh, it started with Freddie Mercury singing or doing the day, oh, that thing. In Spokane. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, they've been 
doing it on and on since then. Uh, and then uh, they had the guy that sings Hi, Hi. There you go. And they put a little tap, top hat on him, yep. which is funny. At the last game, they had uh, like Elsa hair from Frozen, yep. and she sang Let It Go. So I put that up there. Or we at Sound of Hockey put that on the Twitter. <laughs> this guy, Oh Look Rain, at Oh Look Rain, says, really disappointed in the lack of Little Mermaid songs at this point. So we retweeted it. And we kind of did some Kraken-related Little Mermaid lyrics. We said, look at the pledge. Isn't it neat? Will the Kraken ever play 60 Minutes complete? And what was great was a couple people jumped in (laughs) with their own lyrics. So Thaddeus Souza says, flailing around on the ice. You call that (laughs) goaltending? We responded with, we've got home losses mounting aplenty since Turbo's ACL tore. You want Yanni Gord points? He's got 20. <laughs> Chris Longman chimes in and says, but who cares? No big deal. I want to score. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, no, I did write some more lyrics to this if you guys want to hear them. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll sing them. I want to uh, play did, did answer that question? like the lightning play, scoring some goals and winning games. What's the Stanley Cup and why does it? What's the word? Shine. When's it our time? When will we play? Play 60 minutes and say, okay, out of last place. Look at my face. It's really sad. <laughs> well done. Thank you. Oh, man. Thank you very much. So that Not- last part, that last part we didn't actually put on Twitter, uh, but it, it got my wheels it's in turning. The queue. It's and in the queue. I absolutely loved that people jumped in and uh, helped me with the lyrics there. That was hilarious. Not so thank you to those. Not your first who... song you've ever sang. That's on true. The That's true. That's true. true. Yeah. All right. What a way to end it. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, please, again, subscribe on Stitcher, subscribe on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, leave your five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'll read it on the next show. Thanks to Jasper Weatherby for joining us. Thanks again to the Sharks for letting us chat with him. We will talk to you all next week for episode 172. Cheers. I want Wanna see them dancing, walking around on those, what do you call them? Oh, feet. Flipping your fins, you don't get too far. Legs are required for jumping, dancing, strolling along down a, what's that word again? Street. Up where they walk, 